Hello, fellow geeks. Welcome to another episode of the Wealth of Geeks Movies, Money, and More podcast. Welcome to the Wealth of Geeks Movies, Money, and More podcast, where entertainment and finance collide. Join us as we bring together people each episode to debate the hottest topics in the world of entertainment and finance. So, whether you're a fan of Star Wars or side hustles, Marvel or money, this podcast has got you covered. And now, here's your host. I am your host, Sarah Gilliland, and today I am excited to bring to you a brand new guest. We've had a lot of repeat guests lately, but this is a new guest, and I am very excited to talk to Joe today. Joe DeSanto is from Play Louder, and he has built a multi-million dollar business, well, several multi-million dollar businesses, excuse me. He has produced critically acclaimed documentaries and Emmy award-winning TV shows, invested millions in real estate and is now semi-retired at age 43. Very impressive. <laughs> Technically, I'm 48 now. So oh, you're 48 all, now. Yeah, so he started the semi-retirement yeah. at 43. Yeah, so that's so important, talk a little though. bit about that process. <laughs> <laughs> um, but now he's sharing a lifetime of fiscal know-how via Play Louder, an invaluable resource that helps individuals and business owners increase their net worth and plan better for their future. I'm very excited to talk to you today, Joe, and learn about this semi-retirement that you have found yourself in. Sure, I know. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks for having me. I know absolutely. it's very, it's very learning sounding. It's, uh, it's exciting. It, it, well, it's yeah, a little it bit into my, my, like... my last five years falls a little bit into the, you know, fire category to agree to a degree, the financial independence entire early. So I can, you know, add a little bit of insight to that. Uh, yeah, well, let's just, we let's just start there because I think that's very alluring for people. You know, people hear about people retiring early or, you know, wanting to retire early and, you know, sometimes it doesn't happen. So how yeah. how did you make it happen for yourself? Uh, yeah, it's kind of a good place to start. I mean, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of my transition period. So it's funny, I'm, I'm a good intersection for the for the broad topic of your show, uh, film and finance, because I'm currently more focused in the finance world. But my previous life was in Los Angeles, where I own post production and production companies. And we worked in the film and television and advertising business, making um, television commercials, television shows, feature films, music videos, all sorts of web content, and so on. So I did that for, we were in LA for about 20 years, my wife and I. And uh, my, my former company, actually, it, it's still going strong. My partners bought me out at the time, but uh, oddly enough, when I was leaving, I, I was the CEO and CFO. And my wife and I, you know, we can get into some of the history of this, but the, the long short is we came up with this cockamamie idea to blow up our life, you know, and just change it all up. It was mostly the impetus of that was mostly having our son and mm -hmm. having to like adjust from going to be like people that were completely focused on work, which was great. Don't get me wrong. We really enjoyed our business and the industry. Um, but once we had a kid, we were like trying to juggle both. And after a couple of years, we were kind of like, well, this is hard to do um, mm -hmm. <laughs> all of it, you know, and do it in the way, you know, we're used to doing it and that we feel good about, you know, because we felt like we we're doing like not a great job in both departments, essentially, <laughs> right. split, you know, split our time up so much. Sure. So um, but along the way. I was always into personal finance. And if you go to my website, playlouder.com, you can read a little bit of my backstory there. But 
um, about why I was into finance, but I got into it young and I really put a lot of, you know, energy and effort into managing my finances and trying to like, you know, commandeer that situation. And for most of my young life, it was terrible. Uh, and I was just racking up debt and, you know, eventually was able to turn that Sounds around. Sounds like every other young person in America. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and, but doing that really, you know, I, I went to school for photography, uh, ironically. Um, and so I was in the, I, I was always like kind of a creative kid, but I was like math and art brain, you know, mm -hmm. so photography actually was kind of like a good combination for me. It's like, it's part, you know, mechanical and part technical, but, but, but part art. Uh, sure. Architecture, I feel is similar, which is another kind of, you know, what I call extreme hobby. I got into as I got into real estate, but, um, but anyway, I, I think I said I was going to like cut to the chase at being an historian. Somehow I've like already you know, oh, wound no. back 20 I, years. I love it. We want to uh, get to know you. Yeah, so I'll give try us to all get, the details. To, <laughs> as you start, you're like, well, they need a little background here. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So my personal finance interest in, you know, focus, like really, I, I credit for preparing me to own a business, you know, mm -hmm. like it, I and my mantra is, you know, you you are running the business of you. Uh, and you need to run your personal finance just like a business. And your personal life and your personal finances are, you know, a good, you know, simple example of running a business. So me getting into personal finance really prepared me for like the CFO aspect of running the business. We started the business with my partner as I, and all along that time, we were, you know, we were building it, not making as much money at the beginning, obviously making more money as it was more successful. And because I was so into personal finance and investing, I was chomping at the bit to like invest more, buy real estate, do this and that. I was the first sure. person to buy a house, which I, you know, of my friends and partners, which I consider your very first real estate investment. I think mm -hmm. your house is an investment just like any other piece of real estate. And so all of that kind of, you know, unbeknownst to me was preparing me for, and my wife, for like what we call a downshift, you know, which mm -hmm. was like our 20s to 40s was really extreme, intense work. But, but we loved it and we liked working and we, lo we loved our business. But after having a kid, we really wanted to like have more time, but it was really hard to like make that transition in that scenario. Right. Because uh, the business is just demanding. We had, you mm -hmm. know, 30 employees and, you know, it, as it grows, it doesn't get easier. I don't know what the whole four hour work week book is about, but it's a scam. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's no four hour work week when you open a business and, no. ha and have a functional, successful business. The bigger right. it gets, the more you work. Period, right. As far as I'm concerned. No, I, I totally um, agree. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so like, but then I kind of started, you know, I, we, and we, my wife and I had always thought a little bit about, you know, maybe we'll be able to retire early or something, you know, whatever. And, and that age, you know, we're probably more like late fifties or sixties or something like sure. that. And so we started putting a little time and thought into like this. And I remember at one point we were like, well, we should maybe try to buy another investment property, but why don't we, maybe we should buy one in a place where we like might retire. You know I mean? Mm -hmm. Who knows if we would retire there, but if it's a pleasant enough place, like a college town or something, you know, maybe it'll work out. We can kill two birds with one stone. But if, but if, if we don't end up doing that, then it's, you know, no, no skin off our nose. It's just an investment. So when we started digging around in that sense, we found International Living Magazine, <laughs> which, oh. 
is a real, I recommend it to everybody. I'm, okay. it's, I'm sad to report that as of January 1, 2023, they stopped the print edition, which was oh. a great small, almost zine style magazine, even mm-hmm. though like it had been around for a long time, uh, since the 70s. But the whole magazine is about finding unique places to retire overseas that are far less expensive than retiring in the United States. And okay. but but consequently, it's also just a great travel magazine because sure. it covers all these locations and a lot of them may be off the beaten path of regular travel magazines. And it's more about like going there and, and living more frugally or, you know, living more as a local and this kind of a thing. And, how you know, you can go to like Thailand, basically, and live on two thousand dollars a month and live mm-hmm. like, you know, like a, a king and queen, so to speak. Um, so it, it's all information about that. So that kind of got our head in like, wow, I, you know, I hadn't really put that much like math sort of retirement thing, but I was like, okay, I get it. So if you reduce your expenses from like a hundred thousand a year to 20,000 a year, well, you might be able to retire like, right. early. you know what I mean? Like, okay, right. that's making sense. So that started to just investigate more into that world, kind of found the fire, found the fire movement. And I was like, oh, look at this. There's a whole bunch of people out here, you know, trying to retire early. I mean, not that that's some novel, you know, unique concept, but, you know, the fire thing did put a little bit more math on it for me and like how people sure. think about it. And, you know, I mean, we're not, you know, if anything, we're, we're like fat fire, like we're not frugal, <laughs> really <laughs> very frugal. I mean, we try to be smart with our money, but you yeah, we're con- people of convenience, you know, sure. and so like living on $30,000 a year in the United States does not sound like any fun to me. <laughs> Can you explain real quick before we move on in your story a little, just in case anybody listening doesn't know what, what fire is, explain, Mm. explain a little bit about that. Fire is kind of like a movement. Uh, It stands for financial independence, retire early. And it's, it's like a movement that um, really caught some fire, quote to speak. I think the late 2000, 2008, 9, 10, 11, you know, Mm -hmm. there was a, a handful of key bloggers i feel like that really brought to the forefront like mr money mustache for example or Mm -hmm. financial samurai you know and a lot you know a lot of them the the people that are deep in the movement are like listen you know work hard save a lot spend next to nothing you know Mm -hmm. learn how to spend it next to nothing and by by doing that you'll save more right right because you're spending very little but then you'll be able to retire early because you're used to spending next to nothing and mm-hmm. you've amassed a lot more money because yeah. you've been living on next to nothing. Right. And I right. said, just be extremely frugal and essentially get out of the rat race, you know? And right. I think a lot of people that are in the fire people have jobs they hate, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Or just in corporate drudgery, you know, and they're just looking for a way out. Um, and, you know, frugality and this, this mentality you know, along with other things, um, you know, is a way maybe to get you out of the, the rat race a little bit sooner, right? And get you into living life and, you know, and enjoying yourself. Um, and like, and we do some writing on our blog about this too. It's like, and there's, at this point, there's like, you know, a few varieties of that. You know, I called myself fat fire. So like fat mm-hmm. fire people who don't really want to be super frugal. So they're like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to make even more money and, but I'm still going to be reasonable about my spending and, right. you know, but I don't want to live like, you know, 
like in a shoebox. You wouldn't. don't want to you know? eat peanut butter and jelly all the time. <laughs> yeah, like Mr. Money Mustache, she's probably really one of the, like the, the main kind of original fire, you know, people. Uh, claims he lives on $36,000 a year or something like that. And I'm just like, I don't, I just don't know how that po- is possible. I mean, I spent, I spent like half, my half of that, I spent just on groceries. Right. The other half <laughs> I spent on health insurance, you know, and mm-hmm. he will, he has tons of content addressing those two things. Well, this is how you can spend less on groceries. This is how you should do health insurance. Don't do whatever. So he's really committed to it, you know? And so he could, Retire, I think he quote unquote retired at 31 with about $800,000, which that's not a small amount. Like, you know, no. the math of this is not simplistic or, or minuscule, you know, right. not, nonetheless. But, um, but to retire at 30 and plan on living till 90, you know, obviously $800,000 is not going to, on its own accord, is not going to get you there. No. You need that money to make money and you need to make sure you spend very little. Right. Right. So I'm like, well, I don't want to retire at 30. Right. That, but <laughs> I'll retire at like 45, you know, and sure. live on a hundred thousand dollars a year if I can or something to that effect. Right. Um, so yeah, I started reading that, getting a little bit kind of like, you know, fired up about that. That sort of intersected with my wife and I wanting to make a change. And that's when I spread a little more thought. I'm like, you know, thinking about it, you know, if we, we've been investing this whole time, we've been doing real estate, we've been buying houses, we've been investing in the market, you know, making money. I've been working extremely hard at the business. My wife also worked at the business. She was a film editor and she made good money. So, but we lived in LA, so it was expensive, Mm -hmm. but we're still able to, you know, focus and save and invest. And, you know, I was kind of like, we actually have a pretty decent amount of money, you know, like maybe we could, maybe we could make a change like this. Yeah. Um, some, a good chunk of our money was in our home equity, you mm-hmm. know, like in our actual house in Cal- right. in LA. Uh, and that was the houses we bought in LA definitely made a big impact on our amount of money. And I was like, I don't know if we can do it without releasing the money, the equity from our house. Right. Um, and, and also lowering our housing payment, mm-hmm. you know, you got to do both. Yeah, you want to make some money. So, um, more conversations, and you know, we were like, "Well, would we consider moving to a cheaper place?" You know, so hence the international living like thought process was starting yeah. to like flow in. Like, oh, like, what if we moved to like South America? We could, you know, <laughs> we could, we could just retire right now. You know what I mean? But right. we're like, okay. And then, so, but that started flowing in there and being like, I get it now. Now I know why everyone moves to Florida where there's no state income tax and you can live mm-hmm. in a mobile home, you know, whatever, if you don't have enough money. Um, so, you know, it, it all started to kind of gel a little bit and we were like, we started to get kind of excited about it. They're like, well, well, you know, what would we do? I don't know. Could we get a mobile career going where we could travel more? So we were like, you know, making that sort of joke. And then we were like, well, I don't know. We just, the, 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 the idea brewed and somehow we had talked about it for enough time. And we were like, either we got to stop talking about this or mm-hmm. we just, we're going to have to, you know, right. we can't, just, you know, it's getting tired of going in the circle. So we decided to do it, but it was, it took about a year, year and a half to kind of unwind. I mean, we had a lot going on with the business and everything it took, you know, I, I had to sort of unwind from that. And, you know, just like prepare ourselves and like we had to set, we sold our house. Like we lit, we, you know, we're those people that, you know, you talk with your husband or wife or partner 
And you're like, should we, maybe we should just move. We should, you know, go do this. Maybe we should try something totally new. Well, we actually did it. Mm-hmm. And it's hard. You know, it's not something to be taken lightly. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what. The first year was extremely hard and just emotional and whatever. Um, but, you know, by the end of that, we had finally like, found a good, good place. Um, so uh, where am I? So, I, so yeah, so we, we uh, committed to doing it. But, you know, all this reading, all my personal finance, you know, us reading blogs, us reading International Living Magazine, as silly as that <laughs> sound, all sort of uh, just whirlwinded into us doing this. and. The way we looked at it was, well, we want to work less. Kristen didn't want to work. She wanted to be a full-time mom. All right, so we got to get to a cheaper place. Mm-hmm. we got to lower our expenses. I'm not going to be working, you know. But what ended up happening, actually, what, what kicked off me telling this whole story, I think at the point, whatever, 30 minutes ago, and I said, I'm long story short, <laughs> when I worked this out with my partners, they said to me, well, hey, you've been doing the finances this whole time. None of us do that. And, you know, what if we pay you just to keep doing that? But you can do it from wherever, you know. And this was 2018. So this whole mobile job thing was a novel concept. And we were like, oh, my God, we're getting into the mobile work thing. It's going to be awesome. We can do all this stuff. Everyone wasn't doing it yet. (laughs) Yeah. Now now it's like, obviously, it's, it's a dumb thing to say. So my partners at the time were like, hey, you've been doing these f- the finance thing. Do you want to keep doing that? We'll just pay you to do that. So they became my first client as a fractional, what you know has now turned into me being a fractional CFO for businesses. Cool. Um, the, really, the only thing my wife and I like officially had planned on trying out was the blog thing, you know, mm-hmm. the website thing and the online course thing. Okay. The reason we were thinking about that was because when I owned the businesses, you know, we, our work area was open, you know, so like it was me in the same room and all my, you know, a bunch of producers, not everybody, like some people were in their own like edit bays and things, but the producing staff, we were all just like in a big room. So, and I was there working with everybody. It was, I, I preferred that. And like it was just direct communication with all my employees, like helping them working together, like not, I'm not in an office, you know? Right. And uh, they would see me over there, you know, sometimes working on my finances or hear me on the phone talking about real estate or whatever, this, that, and the other, and ask me questions. And some of them, you know, wanted to learn. And, you know, I kind of would mentor, mentored a few of them in the financial sense, in addition to the work sense. And periodically, they would be like, you need to teach class at like Santa Monica College or something <laughs> on how to use Quicken and how to manage your finances. You know, because mm-hmm. I feel like no one knows how to do that. And I was like, that's a good idea. Maybe someday I will do that. Sure. <laughs> You're like, to, put like, that on yeah. the shelf. <laughs> 2018, I'm like, well, people are teaching all this stuff online now. I guess I could, you know, we could make a website and maybe I'll try to teach some of this online. And that started the, the blog, Play Louder, where I do have courses on personal finance, small business mm-hmm. and investing. Um, as well as, you know, all that blog post information we put out and, and all that. So we were just going to kind of do that and see what happened. Um, but like I said, my partners kind of like offered me this, which was great. And I was like, yeah, I'll do that. And then 
you know, I know, I know a lot of other business owners in LA and I'd be talking to some friends, catching up, telling them why we moved to Florida. Cause nobody knew why the hell we were doing. Um, <laughs> and they were like, Oh wow. Are you, are you doing that now? Like, can you do that for my business? Because I, I really need that, you know, like, yeah. you know, like okay, sure. And you know, before you know it, another client, another client, another client. And then it was mostly like a word of mouth on that front. But then part of my shtick, you know, or my, my belief is you can't stop at your business finance. What, what I started to notice was, is that the business owners, you know, they're very smart people, capable people work insanely hard, getting all this stuff accomplished, making decent money, not even really tending to their business finances all that well. Because right. a lot of them, you know, if it's a too small a company and you can't really afford like a CFO, you don't really have like a really seasoned person guiding you. You're paying for a bookkeeper, which is not a bad thing. You definitely need that too. But bookkeepers aren't necessarily skilled in all of the, you know, ways of right. business and haven't gone through, you know, all of it and have the advice I have. So, so this fractional CFO thing, really, I could see, wow, this is like a real gap, you know, like for mm -hmm. the certain size businesses, even, you know, five to even 15, 20 employees, even then, you know, paying an expensive CFO is not really that practical. Right. Um, so, and even some companies, not even doing bookie, which is right. mind blowing because they're just like, I, I don't have time. I got, you know, I'm not, I was going to do it because I'll save the money and I haven't had time, you know, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, you know, we sort of write the business ship, so to speak. And I'd be like, so what's your person, you know, do you, what's your personal financial plan? And they're like, I don't know. <laughs> they don't have a business one, so they're not going to have a personal one. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, okay. Wow. And they're like, you know, they're, I'm so just, you know, the kind of thinking about the money and being responsible about it sort of stopped at the end, at the business. And it was just like, you know, free for all and the personal, like, just get, you know, just hope, just crossing your fingers that you're going to get to the end of the road and, you know, your pot of gold is going to be there waiting for you. Right. And I'm like, it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. If you look at the statistics, you know, mm -hmm. and I'm going to read some, I, I keep some near me. 65 plus, the median saving is $87,000. The average savings, this is averaging in even all the rich people, $280,000. How far would that get you in America? Like, you know, in, in, a, in far, a city you, you, right now. you'd want to live in. <laughs> And obviously the point, you know, the goal with your retirement pot is not that you just start spending it until you run out. You invest it. And the idea is it makes money for you and you live on that money. Right. So you don't run out of money. Right. Right. And so $280,000 is not going to get you much, you know, passive income. Um, no. It's funny. It's, it's funny. The fire thing, you know, and like kind of almost spawned all this passive income talk and all that, blah, 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 mm -hmm. blah, blah. But we used to just call that retirement, you know, but no one really expected to do it until whatever, 70 years old. Mm -hmm. And at that point, you would hopefully have passive income. You know, you'd have some investment. They'd be generating a return. You'd have your Social Security, which, I mean, is the most passive of all passive income. Um, the, theoretically, obviously, you, you put into the system. Um but, you know, now people talk about trying to get passive income sooner in their life so they can, you know, be free before, 
you know, they're basically their hips need to be replaced. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Before you're um, too old to enjoy it. I think that's a lot of the problem too, is that, uh, you know, specifically speaking about Americans is that you work, 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 and you're like, okay, now I'm going to retire, but then you're, you're too old or too tired or don't have enough money to yeah, you do know, the things I, you wanted to do when you retired. There's, I mean, this is, you know, um, uh, in my in-laws, you know, one of them has, uh, you know, a, a lung condition and it's limited them from being able to travel, you know, and do a bunch of things they planned on doing, you know, and same with my parents, you know, once your body stops, starts falling apart, you can't do a lot of this stuff, right. you know, and it starts to fall apart, you know, in the seventies, you know, mm-hmm. so, so we're seeing with our parents, um, right. And so if you can get to the fun part, like a little sooner, right? Know, great, you know, and then hit the rocking chair at 70 and just, you know, ride that right. off into the sunset or whatever. Um, so the flip side of that conversation is people are living longer now, you know, so mm-hmm. people are more vital in their 70s, they're living through their 80s. But unfortunately, that makes the math even more upsetting because mm-hmm. you're like, wow, now I got to make it to 90? I barely have enough money to make it to 70, you know? (laughs) Um, So anyway, sorry, I do a bunch of sidebars. Um, No, these are all relevant and great. I think they're great. I want to talk a little bit about what you mean by the words semi-retired. I think we've kind of touched on that. You have some courses, you have your website. Yes. You do still kind of (laughs) consult for your your friends and their, their recommendations for the businesses. You help with their financials. But um, what has that, what has being semi-retired opened up for you? What are you able to do more of? Well, yeah. So I'll tell you what semi-retired means to me. Um, basically what it means, like when we did this, I was like, well, we can't retire entirely and stop working. We don't have enough money for that. And I don't even think I'd want to do that. But, you know, we have some passive income from real estate mostly and, and uh, some dividend and dividends. Um, and if we lower our expenses, the gap we'll need to fill won't, you know, won't be nearly as big, you know? So hopefully my hope is I could work part time Mm -hmm. to fill that gap. And then additionally, a point, you know, I think it's worth making is I'm filling that gap with part-time work. So I'm trying not to overwork essentially so I can have more time with the family and all that sort of stuff. And my wife doesn't have to work, which she did in Los Angeles. Um, I'm not necessarily worried about saving money. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm thinking if we can just kind of break even the money we have saved, if that just, you know, cranks away making a return and we don't kind of start pulling from the pot we have until we're 65, then I'm not worried about putting more in the pot. I think the pot can grow pretty Mm -hmm. well on its own. Um, So... That's a combo thing. Being able to roughly work part time and not necessarily feel the need to save more uh, if you can't, you know, right. because obviously you're trying to work less. So you're not yeah. like, I'm not killing myself. Now, what's evolved is uh, the business and the consulting has sort of grown naturally. And I have a hard time saying no, <laughs> you know, because I'm always, <laughs> but I'm always like, part of what made me good with money is I was always paranoid. You know, I was mm. always like, well, what if this falls apart or what if this doesn't happen the way I hope like I need a backup plan blah 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 so I've kind of found it's been hard for me to say no because I'm like well what if I lose another 
you know, what if I lose a client? I'll, then I'll be mad that I didn't say yes to this person. Mm-hmm. I haven't really said no. And at one point I was like, wait, now I'm like working full time again. <laughs> and I don't know, you know, when I, if I want to do that. So I was like, well, I can start really saying no, or I can hire someone mm-hmm. and reduce the workload that way. But, ha- and you know, whatever. So I ended up doing that. And now I have a full-time employee and but that allowed me to take on more clients while not necessarily, you know, working uh, full Increasing time. I mean, your I probably, load. you know, I, I, my goal was to only work 30 hours a week, but I probably work more than that when I add in the work we put on into the website, Sure. which is, which is kind of in my mind at this point, like optional, like mm-hmm. the website, you know, makes some money on its own, but mostly it makes money through consulting. Do I need the website? No, but I like it. And I still have this dream of what I, what I like to call email box money. Like mm-hmm. in the entertainment biz, if you got on a commercial or a film or whatever, and it was a union gig, this is relevant because the unions are right. <laughs> striking, uh, you would get residuals. And my wife actually did some voiceover work. And so she got on some union gigs and we would get residual checks in the mail. Like just checks show up in the mail. So you know, nice. you work, you work like three months ago and then like checks just keep showing up in the mail and they get smaller and smaller. Sure. But we would always like high five and we'd be like, mailbox money. Yeah. Because, yeah. <laughs> you know, she as an, it wasn't her job. It wasn't, she was trying to do that. But as an editor, you would often put your voice on, if you had to do some voice on the commercial as a temp track. Mm-hmm. But sometimes what we call temp love would happen. They, the client would be so used to hearing it. And if you had a good voice and she used to do theater and sing, so she really mm-hmm. does have a nice voice, they would be like, I, we can't find anybody we like better. Right. I guess we're going to have to give the gig to Kristen, you know, so that, yeah. that happened a couple of times. So I call the new way of like passive income through selling digital products or whatever it is, use, doing the blogging thing. I call it email box money, you know, mm-hmm. where you make up and you got an email and it's like, you sold a course, you know, yeah. like, hey, bye, so, um, so yeah, so that's kind of where it's evolved. Uh, the the sort of transition semi-retirement thing whatever so i used to you know be in entertainment to recap but i was in the business and finance side of our businesses and mm-hmm. then uh, when we made this transition i sort of the fact that became this fractional cfo slash business manager person mm-hmm. and now i have the finance blog and it all it all came together you know, it, did. it all tied together so tell me um, a little bit about what it's like to, I know that you said the blog is more of a, it's something you like, it's something fun. It is making you money. So it's not necessarily a hobby, but, um, you know, a lot of people think, oh, I'll just start a blog and uh, work for myself or work from home and make all this money. It doesn't yeah, really a, start out that way. So no, kind of talk about your, that. uh, your journey on with your website. I'm in- I'm very cynical. You know, I, I toe the line between, you know, being a realist and a cynic, I say, but I, I, I try to add some humor on top of it, you know, uh, <laughs> but mm-hmm. so I'm really harsh. Like the blogging thing, in my opinion, is a farce. You know, I think it's basically affiliate marketers basically promising you the dream so they can get their blue host commission every month. And <laughs> I mean, the statistics tell you the whole story. Ninety five percent of bloggers die in the first year. Yeah. Why? Not because it's not possible to succeed in blogging. It certainly is. And there are people who have succeeded greatly 
but they succeed because they pile work into it. And I'm not just talking 40 hours a week. They yeah. pile 60, 70, 80, 100 hours a week. And per, a lot of them predominantly make money selling would-be bloggers the dream that they can make all this passive income off blogging. There's nothing passive right. about blogging at all, period, dot. If you want to blog and you want to get your voice out there, God bless, do it. Express yourself, but expect to put in a crap ton of work for many years. Yeah. And fight the urge to quit all the time. Right. Now, <laughs> because we belong, you know, to a blogging group, I'm sure, you know, that many people would be like, well, that's not a good thing to say. There's plenty of people making money about blogging. I'm like, sure. I am practical. I do not sell fake dreams. I just don't, you know. I'm happy to tell you the truth that if you work 80 hours a week, there's a you know, there's a good chance you can make good money blogging, you know. Mm -hmm. Now, the better statement on that, let me say this. What I do think, it, you know, that's like blogging and making money just on ad revenue, affiliate marketing, and, you know, those types of things, of sponsored posts. My blog, you know, and this is, works for me. Anybody who can, can be a kind of a professional or a consultant and offer a service, I think in that case, a blog is a must. You can't right. do that without a blog, nor should you. The blog is basically, you know, the proof that you are capable to do the services you can do. And it can be a really great lead generator if you nurture it as a marketing device. So right. if you have services to sell, then start your blog now. Like if you're thinking, <laughs> I'm going to do, I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm in marketing in a big company. And I, I know if I left here, I could do this and get paid more by the hour, or probably work half the amount, make the same money. I know people are doing it. I That's what I'm doing. You know, I've kind of transferred mm -hmm. my previous experience running a bigger company into now offering services, you know, on a retainer basis. Um, if you're thinking about doing that, I would start your blog now and start working part time and seeding it with content you know, like get your domain authority going, all the same, you know, things bloggers need to build up. That will all work for you uh, in your blog if you're providing services. But if you're just going to try to, you know, join the affiliate marketing game and the ad revenue game, I mean, it can be successful. I know many people that make a ton of money with it, but they're really, really good at it. It's not about your passion. <laughs> you know, it's not about writing your passion. It's just that's not going to carry it. They are like very technical. They're you know, very e-commerce oriented. They just have a brain for the science of it. And they work a lot, you know, and they're, they're, they're obsessed. To it. Mm -hmm. um, so that's my feeling on the blog thing. I, I'm passionate about it because I do feel like I bought into a little bit of it myself. And mm -hmm. was disappointed, you know, the, sure. the, the email box money did not come so quickly. Right. <laughs> um, but I know a lot about business too. Like I'm not, you know, and I had, I had money to put into it. Like I'm not, you know, most people too, they're like, I don't have any money to put into this. Well, you, mm -hmm. you need money to put into it. So you, you know, you can get going. Right. Um, but even me, I made my own website, you know, all that stuff. And I definitely, you know, I did everything I was supposed to. I worked pretty hard. I could say, the, I could say honestly, the, the missing ingredient for me is that I don't work like my life depends on. 
like I'm trying to work 30 hours a week and I have consulting clients. So like I can only put so much time and I don't put enough time into it. And I've right. tried to pay other people to do the job and get to it that way, but it doesn't work so well. So, but I was, but quickly saw like, oh, though, this is a really good, this is the new marketing device. If you're a consultant, if you are a doctor, if you're anything, if you provide any professional service, if you don't have a blog, you're, I mean, you're, you, I don't know, you're not doing it right. a, you know? a website, you know, yeah, do, yeah, I, I think a website, a website that, you know, if you're like, in my case, I, I mean, I have a blog as well, but I do a lot more work, um, freelance writing for different outlets. That's how I got involved with wealth of geeks. I started yeah. freelancing. Then I was asked to do the podcast and, you know, just so on and so forth from there. But now my about me page on my blog, also says, hey, I do all these other things. I write for these other places as well, because it's a it's a way for people to find out what I do besides just my own website. So I think yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. At the very least, even if you're not a writer, but you have something to to give to people a service or whatever, you, you need something so people can see what you're about. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And to your, you just made a really good point that my my practical Sometimes I do describe myself as a hard ass coach for like the people <laughs> I coach. Like I'm just like, I'm not going to bullshit you. But yeah. sometimes I go too far. Like what you just said is a great point. Like you started it, you did it and something new came out of it. You know, you weren't like, I don't know where your blog is in terms of revenue or whatever, just on its own. Mm -hmm. But regardless, you found a new, a new thing. You know what I mean? Now you're doing a podcast. You're a writer now, you know, and now mm -hmm. you're adding all those things to your blog and saying, my blog is almost you know, and I feel this way about myself. It's like the most like extensive resume possible. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? For people that would potentially hire you. And that puts you like head and shoulders above everybody else in the world. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that just has a job and like they have no presence. They're not building any personal brand. They're not You're building right. any value. System. So doing the blog does do that for you. And that's, you know, you can't necessarily quantify that with, email box money, you know, charts. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm going to wheel well, back some of my, can, my toughness. If, for me, I feel like you can quantify that because I get emails offering. Um, so I'm a trap. My, my niche is travel. Um, and I would quantify what I get from the exposure of my website and, and the various articles that have my name attached to it and so forth. Uh, I get offered trips that do not cost me anything to go on and they're a lot there of fun <laughs> they are a lot so of that work, that is a worth fun. a lot of money but i also get um emails from people who you know hey we need to hire a writer for this or we think you'd be a good fit for this interview or this article and so i i get work that way yeah, I also well, get there you go so you can quantify <laughs> yeah you can quantify i mean I, if you look at it that way and i guess really that backs up my whole statement of it can it have it as a marketing device, you know, mm -hmm. don't necessarily just, you know, think you're going to, it's going to make money for you while you sleep. Um, mm -hmm. It, it can actually make quite a bit of money. If you, right. you know, honestly, if you add up the value of the trips, if you add up all the value, you the work and what you're getting paid, which obviously you should do. Duh, I mean, right. that, that is part of what the website is making for you. Right. So it is making probably, you know, more money. I guess though, for me, there's always been this line is like, if I have to do the work, mm -hmm. I don't know that like the website deserves all the credit. 
You know what I mean? Like That's very true. when I set out with the website, the website was supposed to just make money on its own and I did no work and that did not happen. Right. But if I no, if I fold in how much I make, new clients I've made from the website and all that, well, the website's making me a lot of money. So much so where I'm like, I can't, I would not abandon the website, but right. I want, I'm kind of reworking how I'm kind of spending time and money towards it, orienting it towards as a marketing device for services, but while still trying to keep the email box money thing alive. Like I did mm -hmm. go through the effort of making courses. I sell those courses every month, you know, right. um, as I've gotten, probably more consulting, newer clients, more Google reviews, all that. That probably also helped sell all the, you know, the courses more as they've increased. I've learned more about course sales. I've made them better, you know, but again, I put a lot of work into those, but when I just get a random email, when I wake up and like, oh, you know, you sold the course, you know, yeah. like last week I sold the, this week I sold three, you know, and I'm just like, right. great, super, <laughs> you know? Right. Um, so, so yeah, like I don't dislike blogs. I like them. I just think you need to be very practical about them and what you're setting out to do. Mm -hmm. Because I hate to see people spend a year or two of their life writing articles and then realize it's it's gone nowhere and they just mm -hmm. wasted a bunch of time. You know what right. I mean? I think uh, you have to find the balance between um, making it something. Because you, I mean, you stated very clearly at the beginning when you were talking about how you've transitioned into this new this new way of working for your lifestyle that you want to have that you don't, you're not going to give up on your blog because you actually like it. You like doing it. And I think that's part of what kills people who start and only give it a year and then give up is because it, maybe they started it as a passion project to maybe they're very into, um, you know, planting or whatever. And so they wanted to share their love of, of how they grew their, their plants in their backyard or something like that. But they, don't they don't continue that love they get so involved in like oh i have to have seo or you know meeting the core web vitals i have to make sure my ad placement is right you know it's just all the little nitty gritty things that yeah. those blogging courses don't tell you about until yeah. <laughs> you're way deep in it and you're like oh this is like sucking the joy out of the whole well, reason the problem i started is this. like starting a blog, say you're into gardening and you're like, I'm going to do a blog and share all my knowledge, you know, and you're going to go, you go write your 20 articles that, you know, you're passionate about. No one's going to see it. I mean, right. it's just, that's just, that's just a statistical fact. Now could possibly one of them get shared on a big website and take sure. off and grow your blog unexpectedly. Yes. But it's like hitting the water. Mm -hmm. Then you go, okay, well, how do I get people to read these? And it's like, well, I have to go write about something I don't care about if I want people to come to my blog, you know, and maybe they'll see the articles I care about, right. you know, so. Or go back to then, your passion yeah. pieces and put those keywords in that people are searching for, which kind of takes the fun out of like the way you write or yeah, you, know, you, have to, um, you have to appease this Google gods. <laughs> right. And, but if you then go like when I make kind of the search of my mind and doing, getting more of the consulting, like, and I'm talking to a potential client, I send them my mm -hmm. passion articles that I write. And right. they're like, wow, those are really good. Those actually convert this, you know, right. this potential retainer client, you know, so the value of doing that proved to be very valuable, mm -hmm. but it just was not like, you know, 
you have to know what you're doing it for. It's for this particular part of my business, my entire business model. And then these, you know, SEO articles over here are part of this side of the business model because there's room for both. I absolutely There is room for both. There is room for both. Um, So, so yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I mean, I, I don't, vilify all like affiliate marketers i'm one too so don't get me wrong but i think there was a time maybe in the mid 2000s early 2000s where you know you could blow up your blogs you know unexpectedly there was less competition seo wasn't even a thing back then no you know what i mean um so it's like you know some of those blogs that i mentioned earlier that you know they're doing half a million page views a month no seo whatsoever you know what I mean? They naturally went their their SEO happened naturally. They're ranking, but now everybody's spending tons of money to right. unrank you from your position. So exactly, you, you're you you're as a small blogger, you're literally competing with companies that have millions of dollars, if not billions of dollars, to unseat you from your keywords just by buying links. I mean, it's mm-hmm. like a no contest, you know, kind of situation. So. You have to pivot as a business person. You know, it's a business, you know, and you right. have to like, where does this fit in to what I'm trying to accomplish? And if I was trying to accomplish X and it's proven to be unaccomplishable, well, I'm pivoting and I'm going to now try to accomplish Y to meet my ultimate goals. And the ultimate goal, without people even knowing it, you know, de facto is eventually saving enough money for retirement, you know, it's right. not the reason people work in their in its entirety, of course, but we're all headed to retirement, whether we like it or not. <laughs> and you will be aged out of your work, either physically or socially or whatever, you know, like the time mm-hmm. coming, hopefully not soon. I'm going to be a doomsday, but, you know, like you got to prepare. Hence, I'm going to plug now. I'm going to go right into the thing. So I have this course called the Financial Independence Roadmap. Basically, it's, you know, videos of me teaching you how to do use my spreadsheet that I made for myself, you know, that I used along the way to basically create a map. Like, you know, there is math that very simple math you can do in terms of planning for retirement. It's like, what am I going to need, <laughs> you know, in the future? You know, what is it going to look like? What do I want to be doing? How much mm-hmm. is that living that lifestyle going to cost me? Once I know that, okay, how much money do I need to have in a pot that will generate enough passive income to uh, fulfill, you know, that vision of my retirement. Okay, I need to generate X number of dollars. It's this, you know, by this year, it's Mm -hmm. this year now, how much do I need to save every year? And how much does that savings need to grow through investing and compounding in order for me to get to my goal? Right? It's actually super simple math um, that no one does, as it turns out. And I think partly because they're uh, busy and partly because they're scared to do it because mm-hmm. the math always bears out a scenario that seems very overwhelming often, uh, not always, but often. And, you know, so people just kind of stick their head in the sand and figure, well, I don't know, see what goes. See what <laughs> so I'm always saying you can't go on a road trip without a map. Like you're, you're headed to a destination. So that's one of my courses, the Financial Independence Roadmap. I think that's great. Uh, we will include that in the show notes of this episode so that people can check it out for themselves and, you know, decide if they want to participate in it or not. But I think that sounds like a great idea. And it's very smart because 
the idea of saving is overwhelming because you think, oh, you need to do all of these things and save all of this money. And so you can only have, you know, PB&Js or ramen or something for dinner because you're doing all the savings. And, right. you know, it sounds like your course is going to show them you don't have to, like you were saying, you, you ascribe to like the big fire uh, mm-hmm. mindset. You're not really into, I don't want to scrimp everywhere. <laughs> right. <laughs> Just I, the places you, know, you be can. Be smart. You have to be smart, you know. Yeah. Um, and if you can be very frugal, I'm not against that. If, you, sure. if that's a, if that works for you, great. More the better. You know, right. I feel like I should probably even be frugaler uh, <laughs> at times, but you know, you're busy and sometimes it's just a matter of convenience, you know, the expenditures. Absolutely. But yeah, I mean, people are kind of saving, you know, they're out there like, I know I got to save, but it's like, they don't even know why they're like, I know I right. got to save for the retirement, but I don't even know if I'll ever be able to retire. God, it's so far away. You know, it's just this thing, you know, that's way down the road. Right. But I get a lot of calls, you know, because people book calls with me through going to my website. They find whatever. They book a call, like a coaching call. And they're like, oh, man, I'm, I'm like late 40s, early 50s. I've been putting this off for like 20 years, I think now. And I'm, and I'm worried that maybe that was a mistake and the kid's going to college soon and kind of stressing out. And I feel like I got to like get it figured out, you mm-hmm. know, and I'm like, well, you know, as they say. The best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The next best time is today. Right. So, you know, it's never too late. But you're going to, you know, got some catching up to do potentially, you know. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, it, it is kind of tough. I mean, the thing, the, probably the worst part about my course is is I'm selling practical prudency. I'm not selling the get, get rich quick scheme. So right. people don't probably buy. Well, ah. there's, there, I think that is more... That, to me, as somebody who has um, not necessarily financial courses, but I've invested in some blogging courses and have I. Have uh, I. spent a little too much money in, on those because I, you know, was just real excited about the content and was just real excited about the promises that were f- so floweringly made to me on the on the website that yeah. um, I didn't realize how much work you have to put in to that in order for those things to happen. And I probably should have used that money in a different way <laughs> yep. instead of just investing that way. So I, I think you going ahead and saying like, look, this is going to be practical advice. This is not going to be flowery and, you know, out there in the sky, like, oh, we can all do it. Like, you're going to have to do yeah. the work if you want to see the results. Yeah, I'm a little intent. My wife sometimes is like, yeah. Softening up a little bit, a little, flower, <laughs> a little more flowers, a little. Uh, I'm like, eh, there's a lot of flowers. Really, it's not there. really my brand. Yeah, but but yeah, I mean, I uh, I mean, I encourage people to work hard, be entrepreneurial. It, it's a key to success, no question about it. Um, but but yeah, I do. You know, I do. You know, I mean, hey, those the 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 dream that people sell the dream because people are buying it. You know what I mean? Right. And they're not going to be like. You know, caveat asterisk, asterisk you're going to be spending 80 hours a week doing this, like right. your job, you know what I mean? Exactly. Um, there are probably better ways to make money quicker than, than blogging, I would say. But Very it does true. have its place as, mm-hmm. as, as kind of actually a fundamental, you can't live without it marketing device if you're doing certain things, um, you know, 
much like you're, you know, you're a professional writer now, essentially. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm professional uh, CFO now, you know. Right. And it's it's really critical, I think, in that sense. But you know, it's, it's as we said, it's making you money in a different way than you would have expected. But hey, that's still good too. So. Yeah. And I think that's another thing that um, people need to be cognizant of is if you start out with this idea of either whether you're a small business owner, a blogger, whatever it is that like, it's okay to pivot and go another direction if it's not turning out the way you thought. You Actually, don't necessarily it's a, have to it's give a up on it. Yeah. But, I mean, it's a must, you know, right. it's, it's often pivot or pivot or fail, you know? Right. Um, so exactly. It's definitely okay. Well, as we finish up here, I've appreciated getting to know you and I hope our uh, viewers and listeners have also appreciated all the words of wisdom you've given us. What is one thing, maybe one important thing that you would say to people who are, uh, you know, they have the entrepreneurial spirit, the spirit of the American way, I'm going to start my own business. Like what is something that you wish maybe somebody would have told you? Well, um, you know, well, I, let me, let me, I'll, what I'll do is kind of answer that by, by summarizing a little bit of my philosophy, you know, I, my, and I kind of put this on my website almost in like three pillars. Uh, my three pillars are you have to be financially prudent, business minded and investing focused. Those are the, those are the, the three keys to get you to the promised land. So I believe being entrepreneurial is a must, you know, in life. But you can do that with your regular job as well as starting a business. I mean, you do that at your regular job by making yourself the most indispensable, best employee there is. And when you go ask for your 20% raise, they're like, we can't live without you. So I have no choice but to give you the raise, you know, and you go every year and you, but you, you put the work in or, you know, you're doing that in your own business in whatever way or whatever business it is. Um, you know, that gets you excited, but you, you really do need to be entrepreneurial. So I, I think you should take that challenge on, you know, as best you can, you know, without question. And sometimes that that can be transitioning what you're doing in a big job to like a consulting services thing. I think that's one of the smartest, easiest plays for people. And I mean, I can say I've done it, so I know how it works and it, and it's good. And it gets you into being a business owner, which gets you a lot of benefits too, besides just, you know, flexibility, it gets you tax benefits, it gets you, you know, different things like that. It gets you the benefit of controlling your time, which allows Mm -hmm. you to put more time into investing or learning about other things that, you know, are important. So business, you know, being entrepreneurial is sort of the offense, you know, financial prudency is sort of the defense, you know, okay, Mm -hmm. you're making money. Now you need to know you're making more than you're spending. You know, and you have a net profit in your personal, the the business of you. Right. Your net profit every year is your savings. That has to go out and be invested and it has to be grown. So my feeling, I guess, is entrepreneurialness is like one of the three key pillars to success. Um, and, you know, you have to take it on. That said, do not be impractical about it do not be like that you build it and they will come or you do what you love and the money will come you know mm-hmm. some of those things are somewhat true passion is a big component of a successful business but you can do the math on nearly everything and you should be doing the math on your business well in advance of investing any money you know and investing you know additional time you know yeah. and the math is what am i going to sell how much is it going to cost me to sell it do I make a profit on every single transaction? Right. Can 
how many transactions can I do in a day? And then can I scale it and hire other people to help me make more transactions at a profit to me? You know, uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's not that complicated of math. You can completely do it on a free Google spreadsheet. And like, to me, it's the linchpin of success, you know? Don't leave anything up to chance, I guess, is where this where this nets out. Those are great. I think those are all very important. And, and the one that sticks with me the most from what everything you've said is that it's the whole, oh, if we build it, they will come. You got to put the work in. Yeah. You really I mean, have, you to. have to build it for them to come. So right. that's true. Mm -hmm. But make sure whatever it is you're going to build is worth coming to. You know yes. what I mean? <clears throat> yes. Well, and that they know to come to it. Yeah, then they have where, to find your, they it? have to find your building. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Exactly. Well, Joe, anyway, thank you well, so much. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for being here today. You've imparted a lot of words of wisdom that I think, um, you know, sometimes we have geeky listeners. Sometimes we have financial uh, independent listeners, like just people who have all different walks of life. And I think you have really spoken to everybody because money is kind of what makes the world go around these days so we really, sure we've all got to you know get a hang of it so we appreciate yeah. you um Absolutely. just remind everybody they can go to playlouder.com but where else can they find you online um that's really the main place i have a youtube channel actually that's probably my my next most visited place uh where i give obviously more financial advice and i do focus a lot on how to use quicken there, which is what I use to manage my finances, what I recommend to people. So I have a bunch of how-to videos that have turned out to be quite popular. Um, I'm kind of like become like a quicken guru <laughs> unexpectedly. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, there. And then um, that's the main spot. That's the main social media-ish thing that I actually put okay. any time into. Fantastic. Well, again, thank you for being here and thank you everybody for, <clears throat> excuse me, thank you for listening and watching to this episode of the Wealth of Geeks podcast. And we will see you guys on our next episode. Bye everyone. That's a wrap. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe to the Wealth of Geeks podcast and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We have a ton of incredible content coming your way that you're not going to want to miss. Until, Until then, then, stay geeky. geeky.